prayer here. Father, we thank you that you are in the midst of us today, and uh, Lord, that you are speaking. You're stirring us, Lord, and God, we want, we, want to, uh, we want to step into what you're saying. And so, Father, I pray this morning for a spirit of revelation. I pray that you would awaken people. God, I pray that that which has been hidden from sight would be made obvious, Lord, that what is stirred up in our hearts would not allow, be allowed to go back to being dormant, Lord, that those things would be washed out, God, as your river flows over us this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would give us a view of the victory of Christ that's so final and so beautiful and so wonderful, Lord, that we never are the same again, that you transform us, Lord. God, I thank you for that reality that you are here in the midst of us, Lord, and that you've called each one according to your name and purpose. God, that hearts are coming alive in your presence. Lord, that your holy fire would burn away everything that hinders. And God, that you would release your angels among us to work and to minister according to your word, Lord, and what you're saying over each life. God, I thank you for that. And Father, I pray that you would also release wisdom to us that we could walk it out that our lives would be transformed, and that the world around us would be touched by it. Thank you for these things in Jesus' mighty name. And if you agreed with that, you said, amen. amen. Come on. Uh, I don't know how to follow up what you just said, Austin, but we're going to go ahead and <laughs> just preach, I guess. And whew. The, um, uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been an interesting morning, Okay. There was a tremendous amount of swirl sort of going on prior to the first service. Um, some tension sort of in the atmosphere. There was this, it's just a weirdness spiritually. And our worship team, man, they went for it. They, they're, they're breaking through on our behalf. There's, I, I, I don't know how to describe it other than the swirl um, made it difficult for people to engage. And as we preached the word and as we, uh, we, we really pressed in, I, I feel like there was a significant break loose, uh, like a breakthrough that took place. And, and then coming to worship here, second service, it's just like open heaven. You guys are, not that it was a closed heaven, but this, this swirl is gone and God is just is really moving powerfully. So... So honestly, I don't know what to expect because that first service, it was felt like war. And I know how to shoot a gun. <laughs> so, I'm, so we came into this broad space, and so we'll see what happens, okay? So we're going we're gonna to flow with it, though. But I, 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 the word the Lord um, is having us released today is, is significant, like Pastor Austin said. So um, I do want you to prepare your heart for that, okay? Um, I have, over the last two years, been having this reoccurring experience. Um, something triggered it. I, I talked about this a little more first service, but I don't want to belabor the point. But I got interested in gold prospecting. Not like me going out and digging holes in the dirt. I have no interest in the physical labor, okay? <laughs> but, but something, I, I saw like a commercial for the, like the Discovery Show Gold Rush and, and watching how they dig up the Klondike and they're experiencing, you know, what it's like to dig gold out of the earth post-Gold Rush, right? Like the original Gold Rush, they're finding nuggets in the ground and it's, you know, the people go crazy and everyone's moving to Alaska. This one, it takes large amounts of machinery to move lots of dirt in order to achieve little gold. This experience of watching that take place, I, I intrigued me and so I wanted to know more. Something came alive on the inside and so I started watching like um, uh, uh, different YouTube channels with individual prospectors who are just out there with their shovel and pans digging in the dirt and, and uh, hunting in streams and sniping gold out of the bottom of basins and, you know, this kind of thing. And, and I've watched these videos now for two years with an insatiable appetite towards it. 
it's weird. <laughs> Something clicked on, and every time I watch one of these experiences, and it's always the same process, it's the same process. You dig a hole in the dirt, you put it in the pan, you wash it off. Like, eventually they get down to a lot of work to achieve a very little amount of gold. But it's fun. And they weigh it out at the end, and there's a little pile of gold about the size of a dime, and they put it on the scale, and it's like, oh, there's this much gold. And you think, wow, you just put 10 hours of work in, and you got $1.50 an hour. You know, like, <laughs> probably not the way you're going to make a living, but whatever reason, looks like fun. That experience, that expression, um, I felt the Lord's voice in for me. I'm watching a video, I'm watching the process, and something in me is coming alive, and I'm asking the question, Lord, what are you saying to me? The ordinary like, experience, this thing has been around for lots and lots of time. They've been hunting gold since you know, the very beginning. The, the book of Genesis, Garden of Eden, there was a river that had gold in it. Like It's not any different now. There's rivers that have gold in them. And that gold is being retrieved out of it. And the process of retrieving that gold is the same process over and over and over. And so I'll watch somebody sift through the dirt and get the junk out of it and then take it down to a concentrate and then pan it off until finally there's a reveal and then there's some gold and there's some other stuff in the pan and it's over and over, the same process over and over. And every time they get to that place of reveal, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit talk to me. The ordinary expression has something extra on it. In that moment, I know because of my history in God that that's the moment that you ask the question, Lord, what are you saying to me? Have you ever had an ordinary moment become extraordinary? You're, I mean, how many sunsets have you seen in your lifetime? Hundreds, hundreds of sunsets, yet there's one sunset you remember why do you remember it? Because you were sitting there and you're watching the sun go down and it was just more. What was the more, God? Something of God in it. I remember distinctly one evening, I was out there under the stars and I'm looking up and I'm just looking at the twinkling lights that I've seen hundreds and thousands of times during my lifetime. And this one time I'm looking up at it and there's a brilliance in them that they seem to be singing to me. Right, That moment, it's just the stars, it's just the heavens, but something extra was on the ordinary moment. That is the clue that God is involved in the moment. And so something simple and ordinary suddenly becomes, Lord, what are you trying to say? Lord, your servant's listening. What are you saying? And you tune in. Come on, little things like alarm clocks. Anybody ever been looked over at your clock and it's, 3.33, as heard them just say, right? God speaking to me. Yeah, it happens multiple times a day, right? 11.11. Who's, okay, who's in here? Who's an 11.11 type person? All right, yes, yes, yes. Okay, who's their 4.44 people? Anybody? Yes, few of us, right? 5.55? Anybody? Anybody? Takers? Threes? Threes? How about 2.22? Where's the 2.22 people? Yeah, actually, you're all 2.22 people because God's doing something and this, this it's, 2022, and there really is something on that bad boy, okay? Right? You know what it is? It says, it says that the Lord is revealing hidden things in this day. It's a lot like a gold pan reveal. It's what we're talking about today. I believe that by the time that we're done with this service today, the Holy Spirit will have spoken to you and helped to remove some of the junk that's in the way so that you can pan it down and bring a reveal. And when the divine reveal happens, you're going to recognize some things about yourself. There are some weighty things taking place in your life that you should not miss. There's some weighty things in your life that are absolutely from God. And once you recognize them, whoo, you can pick them out, right? You can, you can possess them versus toss them out with the rocks that have no value. Is anybody alive today? Okay, repeat after me. I came on the right day. We're going to have some fun. Okay, Pastor Jamie might cut me, but it's going to be okay. <laughs> We're going to have a good time, though, and I promise. No, the, the Lord is very much at work in our moment, and uh, we, we need to talk about this. Um, your, your ordinary moment that becomes extra, that is the moment to 
ask the divine question. The bigger question is, God, what are you saying? When you ask that question, God, what are you saying? Some things take place. First of all, I guarantee you will hear God's voice. You're hearing it. Someone might say, but it's, I, I don't know what he's saying. You are hearing his voice. Someone might say, okay, if I'm hearing his voice, then why isn't it clear? Okay, what's going on in me that God would speak to me and it would still remain a jumble? I'll tell you something that happens in life. They're called storms. They're called troubled waters. They're called the moments where where stuff gets kicked up in your life and you don't know what to do with it and, 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 and so you feel lost in it. And often those are the moments where you go, God, what are you saying? But in the midst of the swirl, it's very difficult to discern the clarity of his voice. You know, when the Holy Spirit pulled into your life, he was a river, he's not a lake. He's a river that is flowing continuously and that purity of the water of the life of heaven is flowing in your life. And if you've ever come to a mountain stream, you'll notice some things about it. You come to it and you'll look down and it's clear. It's not muddy. It's not murky. It's not like a pond in your backyard. A mountain stream is clear when you look at it. And, and, and so it's beautiful and it looks pristine, but you shouldn't drink that water. Okay, there's stuff in that water even though you can't see it. And what's interesting is that if you step down into that river and you bury your foot in the sand and the rocks, all of a sudden there will be this plume of dirt that will fill the water around it and it will become murky. And then very soon after, because the river is flowing, the murkiness will wash away and it will become clear again. The, the troubling of the water stirred stuff up and the life of heaven will wash it away and bring clarity once again. The stirring of the waters, the mixing up of the stuff, the, the dirt gets mixed into the water and it gets washed away. As long as you stay in the river, you will continue to have these experiences where something happens in your life, it kicks something up in your heart, your soul goes into a little bit of torment, you get in a swirl, and then God's river washes it away You'll keep walking with the Lord. Things will become clear again. It's amazing. You can trust that process over and over. But for those who withdraw from the process and are like, ah, I'm really not sure I want to be in the things of God. Then when murky waters happen and you get stirred up and something happens, it takes a very long time for things to settle again. And you don't really want to go near those issues because you know that it caused so much trouble. And we end up with these little cistern-type experiences, these little ponds and puddles off to the side that we don't want God to touch. We don't want to talk about that. We just need to leave it alone because eventually it'll settle and we'll feel okay about it again. But the junk is still in there. Are you, I'm talking to you this morning. I don't know if you know that. Man, this is life. Storms of life happen. Can't, you can't stop it. It's going to happen. In fact, God's in a lot of those storms. He's a lot of the stirrings of the waters because he's after something. He's doing something in your heart. He's after the gold. He's after the gemstones. There's some stuff of value that he's placed in your life that's supposed to come to the surface, but it got buried by the sediments and the sins of life and other people's junks. It got buried by some of the, the thought processes that the world embraces. And so it's hiding what God's doing because you have this other dominant thought that's resting on top of a God thing and you are unable to see the God thing because you're too captivated by the junk in the world. And so what God does is he goes up to your life and he's like, hey, let me go ahead and dig my hands in there. Right? Let me go ahead and upset your apple cart to find out what's really going on on the inside. And it not it interesting that it takes the pressures and the storms of life to discover kind of what's going on on their insides? Man, a little bit of pressure, a little bit of a moment where, where, where you have to perform and there is pressure on top of it, something will pop, manifest. 
And the stuff that was underneath the surface suddenly is, is out. It might show up like an emotional outburst. It might show up like, I don't want to, a little temper tantrum. It might show up like anger or rage. It might show up in a number of ways. But when the Lord is doing this, the key to letting the waters of the river wash over you is just to stay quiet in it and let him do his thing. Now, why would I tell you that before I preach a sermon? Because the Lord wants to dig some stuff out of us as a congregation. He's been dealing with stuff, and this last season was a series of storms. And those storms were designed. The storms have God's hands all over them. Well, he's not the author of the darkness that happens as a result of the storms, the brokenness, he is very much in the process of upsetting the status quo so that the deep things get uncovered and that his divine work becomes exposed. Okay. 2020. Sounds like a good round number. 2020, right? 2020 vision. I remember at the beginning of the year, all the prophets were like, we're going to see clearly. <laughs> yeah, we, we did. We did. We saw really clearly all the junk that was hidden in the body of Christ. We saw, we saw really clearly all the hidden sin that's in people's hearts and the control and the lack of trust and the the garbage beliefs and the fear and the accusation. We, we found racism. We found all sorts of stuff. Praise Jesus for 2020. <laughs> okay, that was some sarcasm as well as some good things. So the golf clap is appropriate. That wasn't the time to, un- <laughs> to fully applaud. <laughs> but praise Jesus because the Lord is in the midst of this. Okay. Beginning of 2020, I got this word because there was a sign in the heavens that was coming. You remember that comet, Neowise? Remember that thing? And the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about that, and there was a a very clear word that the Lord gave me, and I shared it with the body. It was in August of 2020. COVID had come, but we had not had, we, we didn't have vaccines at that point. We had not had an election at that point. We had not had a revolt at that point. We had not had all, we had had some racial tension, but we had not had seen the manifestation fully of that. We had a whole bunch of storms that were about to come. They were all still coming. And I preached this word. You can go back and listen to it. It's called the sword of the Lord, August 9th, 2020. And in that word, I said very clearly, and I'm not sure we could hear it at the time because it's very difficult to hear before something happens. But the word was this, the judgment of the Lord is coming through his house. The sword of the Lord is coming through his house. And the reason is because he's stirring the waters. He's in the storm. The stuff that's about to take place, the Lord is going to cause the stuff that is being hindering his body from moving forward. All that stuff is going to come to the surface, is going to manifest so he can deal with it. And it was about that much applause after that sermon as well, okay? Because who wants to hear that? I don't mean judgment like, well, God is coming down and he... No, because that's not who your father is, okay? That thing looks different when the Lord comes to his house. He's coming to purify it and to remove that which is hindering his will from taking place. I preach this word, right? And, and we go into a storm, and man, what a swirl. I mean, anybody remember 2020? It's all a blur, like we were in this giant swirl of activity. It was almost like God went ahead and took a shovel full of life, went, hey, Shunk. I'm going to chuck this into the gold pan, Hook. and we're going to see what's there, church. And so he begins to bring it down to the water, right? The miner goes, he digs a big thing of dirt, chucks it in the pan. There's two pans when a miner goes to, to go man out the gold, a prospector goes. The first pan's got a little grate, and that grate is for, for getting all the pickers out of there, right? For getting all the rocks out of there, the big, heavy things that are standing in the way from the gold being discovered, 
And so the miner takes the shovel and he puts it into the first pan and it's like a, like a, a, a kitchen grater or a, um, a, like a sieve, right? And then below it is a, another pan that's solid and it catches all of the, the little uh, uh, the flakes of gold and the heavy things that are small. It catches it in the lower pan. So he puts it in the, the pan, the shovel full of dirt, and he brings it down to the river and he begins to swirl. And the swirl kicks up all the mud, all the junk. Whoo, the waters are messy. You try to get clarity during that time. Oh, Jesus, what would you have me do? Oh, Jesus, where am I, Lord? Which direction should I go? You're swirling. And not only that, you're manifesting all your mess. You got emotional stuff coming out of you. You're angry about that, and then you're raging about this, and you're trying to control this over here, and wah, life is just upset. Swirl, swirl, swirl. See the divine hand of the master over you going, oh, there's some beauty in this one. I'm taking you through it, yep, but the dirt needs to be baptized off of you. We got to wash you, son. We got, we got to make that manifest so that it can be washed away. It has to find confession. It has to find light. Otherwise, it won't go away. So it's getting manifested. Woo, that's fun. Right? You know, have you ever manifested before? You ever find out that you're angry and then it comes out sideways and you yelled at your dog? Anybody? Nobody? No one? Me? You? Okay, cool. All right. You... you Right? Like you're, you're, you're coming home from church, probably today. You're going to get in that van, and you got your kids in the back, and the kids are all like, yeah, 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 yeah. And right? And the sermon was like, oh, geez. Like, are we sure we're in the right church? Okay. And then you get in the car, and you're like, ah, oh, I don't know what to do with this. And, and the kids are, yeah, yeah, in the back seat. And, and you were going to go get hamburgers, but instead you eat kids. Right? What's that all about? Is that your real nature coming forth? No, that's dirt coming off of you because the Lord is dealing with something in you and you don't want to talk about it. And so you're swirling and you're manifesting, but just wait a second. Just allow the Lord to wash that away. Just wait. It'll just wash right off you, okay? Like 10 minutes from now, you'll feel okay. Well, 40 minutes from now, you'll feel okay. That swirl gets the dirt off of you and washes it clean. This is what the Lord does, okay? But he's swirling and he's stirring, gets his hands in there, he's messing with it, and then he picks up the first layer. The first layer is just the large rocks. It's the, it's the big pebbles, right? And he pulls it up out of the pan. And when he pulls it up out of the pan, what gets exposed are large, are thoughts, our points of view, our, our lies that you believed, our worldly thinking, it's, it's, but there's, they're rocks, they're heavy, and so they felt like they were a part of your foundation. This is just who I am. Uh, until it manifests and the Lord pulls it out, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, I'm not a racist, I just had a racist thought. Right? Oh, I... I'm realizing I'm afraid and I have a great distrust for authority figures. Look at that. It manifested last year, didn't it? <laughs> Woo, there it is. What's the Lord doing that? Okay, this is the moment where he looks down and he goes, wow, is there any nuggets? Is there any large pickers in there? Chunks of gold that are heavy and weighty and big. If there's not, he takes the rocks and the miner chucks it off to the side, and he's done with that process. Friends, the scripture calls large rocks piled together where they are covering up and not able to be moved strongholds. They are patterns of thought that war against God's purpose for your life, and they have to be dealt with. And they're very difficult to get out of your life unless the storm unsettles everything and unglues the mud and the junk that's been trapped in there and it's underneath. And the, the thing is, is that all the pressure and, and, and the gold and the weighty things that are good have all settled underneath the sediment and underneath them rocks. And those rocks have got to go if you're going to get at the divine stuff.
And so things that you don't want to talk about, I know you don't want to talk about it because you tell me that you don't want to talk about it, but I keep bringing it up. Why in the world did Pastor Jamie change the point? Why? Because it's a big old rock on top of your gold. And we got to get that stuff out of here. And the storm dislodges that junk. And the swirl, if you see the swirl, woo, man, when you're in it, it's a big mess. And it exposes you. And the exposure doesn't feel good. But it's the Lord dealing with stuff. And if you'll just let him deal with it, if you'll surrender it, don't look through that pile of rocks and go, oh, I really like this one. <laughs> Chuck it back in your gold pile. No, no. There are some pretty ones, you know. Polished granite is pretty, but it has no value and you ought to let it go. Yeah, you've been working on your, I, hey, listen, I've been working on my politics all my life. I've been shining it up. It's real good. It has zero value in the kingdom. Zero. Kingdom of heaven is a political system. Worldly system is going to be burned. You should agree with God and let go of your nice shiny rock. Thanks, Austin. I appreciate that. You would be, I'm, I'm amazed when, when God, man, when God messes with me, whew, I'm amazed at the stuff it turns out like I was like clinging to. Little ideas that are hiding what's really going on underneath. What's really going on underneath is like insecurity. What's really going on, and I'm trying to protect it with my big ideas. Like, What's really going on underneath is a distrust towards father figures, and you've displaced that and put that on authorities. And God's trying to deal with that in you so that you can trust the heavenly father, but you don't want to let go of the idea because it's protecting your pain. Church, you see this. And the Lord's in your stuff, and he's swirling, and he's getting that stuff washed off, and then he gets the big strongholds, the rocks, the bad thinking, the stuff that gets exposed, and it's like, man, how did I know, how did I believe that? It's gone, right? All that's left underneath is the heavier sediment. And the heavier sediment, in that sediment, is valuable things. But the process for getting the valuable things out of that is still a process. The process for getting that valuable stuff out of that is still a process. I want you to read this passage of scripture with me. This is 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 9. 1 Kings 19, I'm going to start in verse 9. This is Elijah the prophet. Okay, he has come toe-to-toe -to -toe with Jezebel. And Ahab, and they are trying to kill him. Elijah has already had the moment on the mountain where he called down the fire from God, and God went, I'm real. But Jezebel now is trying to kill Elijah. And so Elijah is running for his life. Intimidation and fear has been kicked up from this storm. Doubt and belief about himself and belief about his position in life, belief about the nation of Israel, belief that he's the only one that hears from God. There's all these beliefs that are crowding Elijah's mind and preventing him from hearing God's voice. And this moment, Elijah is going to go out to the wilderness to hear from God. This is verse 9. Elijah came there. Oh, I got to tell this first. Okay, man. He goes out in the wilderness, right? And he is going to do, it's a 40-day journey out to the mountain of the Lord, right? And he's already in his own head. He's, he's trying to hear from God. That's why he's out there. And, and he takes a nap. And an angel wakes him up and gives him a plate of food and tells him to eat. And then he eats the food and he goes right back to sleep. And then an angel, a little bit later, kicks him awake gives him another plate of food, tells him to eat. Why? Because you're about to have to go through something and I need you to be nourished. I find this to be true. The Lord will strengthen you so that you can take the journey. He'll speak into your life and he'll pour into your life and sometimes it doesn't answer what you're facing, but he gives you enough to take the next leg. 
And so then Elijah heads into the wilderness. He's going to the mountain of God, and he finds himself at a cave on the mountain of God. Verse 9, he came there to the cave. Remember, he's there to hear God's voice. He came to the cave, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, Elijah, the heck are you doing here? Paraphrase. PJV, right? PJ's version. Here we go. What are you doing here? Elijah says to him, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. The sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and now they seek my life to take it away. The voice said, go stand on the mountain of the Lord before the Lord. And behold, look at this, the Lord was passing by, and a great strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking it into pieces. The rocks were breaking before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. So God's coming, and he's speaking to Elijah, and the wind kicks up. It's a storm. So violent that rocks are breaking apart on a mountain. Like, this is kind of a big deal, right? And then it says this little phrase, God was not in the storm. God isn't causing your pain. But he is stirring up your life so that you can face the real issue that's behind your pain. So while he's poking at it and you go, ouch, I don't want to deal with it. 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 And he's stirring up your world around you where he's forcing you to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. The wind or the storm is forcing the conversation. But God wasn't in the wind. I don't believe that the Lord is the one who is authoring people's deaths because of a disease. But I have no problem in my theological position from understanding that God is very much stirring the waters so that junk gets revealed in the midst of all this. The sword of the Lord is coming through the body of Christ. His judgments, not to destroy, but rather to expose and remove the junk. He wasn't in the wind. And then after the wind, there was an earthquake. And the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. Hmm. Sound of the gentle blowing. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle, and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What the heck are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> uh, the scripture it says, In the gentle blowing. I was talking with my dad about this. My dad's a theologian. And this happens to be one of the passages that he did deep work in the Hebrew language on. And so I was talking to him about it, and he said, he said, do you know what that phrase means? It would be more accurately translated an awestruck silence came. So imagine this. The storm's raging. God's not in the storm. So what's the storm for? The fires blaze. But God wasn't in the fire. So what's the fire for? The earthquake is shaking everything that can be shaken. But God wasn't in the earthquake. So what's it for? And then the awestruck silence comes. And Elijah can finally hear what God was saying the whole time. 
he didn't have to go 40 days into the wilderness. He didn't have to, because God said it from the very beginning. It's just that Elijah couldn't hear what he was saying. Why? Because he was interpreting it all through his mess. Elijah was interpreting, my nation's in trouble. There's nobody that hears God. The government is corrupt. Jezebel, the queen, Ahab, the king, the kings of Israel. The government is corrupt, and so we can't trust them. They're evil. In fact, there's witchcraft there. Oh, there's witchcraft. We need to run away. Run away. Run away. Right? And so then what's he do? He's, oh, there's nobody who hears God, and so I need to go hear God because if I hear God, then the nation of Israel can turn back to God. And he goes out to the wilderness like a superhero, cape waving in the wind. Before he goes, he lays down for a nap, and God says to him, what the heck are you doing, Elijah? the heck are you doing? No, God, no one but me. Oh, well, here's some food. You clearly are going to starve to death. Let me just make sure you don't die in this dumb journey. (laughs) Runs out into the wilderness, stands before the presence of God. The storm rages around them. We have everything from political uprises to violent expressions in the streets crying foul to justice. We have a disease that actually kills people, but no one wants to talk about it. We got all sorts of craziness going around, and we're in distrust, and we're fearful, and we're angry, and we're blaming. And the Lord, in the meantime, has been saying the whole time, come your kingdom, be done your will on earth as it is in heaven. Church, what the heck are we doing here? Elijah goes out into the wilderness, having heard God say, what are you doing here, Elijah? Goes all the way out in the wilderness and has these violent, storm-like experiences, but God wasn't in any of it. And when the whisper finally comes, the awestruck silence, then finally he can hear what God was saying to him the whole time. Why couldn't he hear before? Because It comes right out of his mouth. He says, Lord, I've been zealous for you. The sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant. Blame. Blame insulates you from all sorts of things. It's your problem that we're having this problem, not my problem. It's them, not us. It's amazing what happens there. It's a big ruse. They tore down your altars, and they're killing your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. Me and my pain. But don't worry, God, I'm here. So just speak the word and I'll go fix everything. The Lord said to him, okay. (laughs) Okay, buddy, here we go. Go ahead and go back out the wilderness. And when you arrive, anoint this person king, anoint that person king. And oh, by the way, anoint your replacement. Why? Because... Elijah's eyes were so fixated on the importance of him in his journey, in his pain, in his mess, in all the sins of the people that he was judging. He was so fixated on that stuff that he could not see the next generation and the solutions that are at hand. He couldn't, he couldn't see past Jezebel and Ahab. He couldn't see past the current regime in the government. He couldn't see past to recognize that God was already calling the next leaders and that the Lord would be with them. And so... In his eyes and in his mind, he has to fix it. Oh, and we better do something. And, and so he finds himself unable to hear what God's actually doing and speaking to him. Why? Because he's so focused on all this other, frankly, like nonsense, conspiracy. Like, what are you doing? And that mindset has you focused on your pain and has you unable to hear what God's been saying the whole time. That process, y'all, why does the storm come? The storm comes to unseat the bad thinking, the stinking thinking, because there are some boulders in our lives and in our hearts that we don't want to let go of because we're comfortable. We've built a life around these ideas. But they need to go. Like when we have whole groups of people who are crying foul in our justice system and half the nation's going, nah, 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 this is a problem. Man, I should, okay, this is what I realized about today. We might be having a revival right now, a Gideon revival. 32,000 people, 
Praise Jesus, he's cutting it back to 300. Why? Because there's some gold here and there's some real stuff happening and there's an authentic thing taking place. And man, when we get stuck and we don't want to let go, the Lord, whoo, and it's a storm. Woo! What do we do with this, Lord? What do I do? And the Lord is working it through to get you delivered out of the stuff that got you stuck. I heard like two people begin to clap, and they're like, nope, nope, tighten up. 2020, 2021, three things happen. It exposed some stuff. It manifested some stuff, and some valuable things got recognized. Okay, what did it expose in you? What, what, what came to the surface? What did you start manifesting? Fear? Anybody get fearful? 2020. Fear. You know what happens when fear comes into our hearts? We begin, we, we begin to clamp down. When fear comes into your heart and your way of thinking, you, you start to try to control. And we watch the world do this. Clamp down control. Right? When fear gets in our thinking, I, I need to limit the things that are out of my control. And so we clamp down, clamp down, clamp down, clamp down. And in that control, that control is not fully possible. And so when somebody violates something I'm trying to control, it makes me angry. And so your decision is violating my decision, and it's outside of my control, and I'm a, what's really going on is that we're both afraid. But because we're trying to control our circumstances, when it gets outside of our control, my fear turns into anger and blame. And now I'm blaming you, and I'm afraid that our country's going to hell in a handbasket, and I'm afraid that them dear Democrats and them dear Republicans and ah, and we get in this mode where we're blaming people, where we're afraid of people, where we're trying to control, and in our control, it unhooks us from interdependency. And now I am breaking off my relationships with people because they don't agree with my realm of control and my rights as a citizen and my, 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 and the storm is unlodging all of this. Why? So that the authentic, real things can remain and these things that sin that so easily entangles us will get unearthed and washed away and dealt with. God is at work in our nation, y'all. He's at work in the world right now. There are divine things taking place behind the scenes while things that are systemic in, in our nation are getting uprooted, getting exposed. I mean, my goodness, if there's ever a moment to stomp on the snake's head of racism, it is now. We, we don't, don't find yourself trying to defend an old belief. Man, the Lord is uprooting some of that stuff so that we can deal with this as a culture. God's in the middle of this. Woo! And he's having a time. You should see the joy on prospectors' faces. You know why? Because they know, they know as that dirt washes off and they get rid of them rocks, that what's in the bottom of that pan? Whew, pay dirt. That's what's left. You know what's left in the bottom of a pan after you go through all that process? Four things. Four things remain. Gold. Gold is the divine goodness of God. When you, when you get the rid of the other stuff and you can take a look at your life, you can recognize, oh, God was good to me there. Wow, his word is so true. The things that he's done in my life remain. Oh, man, look at the divine web of connection and his goodness and his mercy in my life. That stuff doesn't wash away with the storm, does it? It stays. You recognize it all of a sudden. All of a sudden, you're thankful that the Lord sustains your health and that he's the one that's protecting you. When you go through a real storm, you realize how powerless you are concerning things like your breath, your health. You're powerless. Praise God that he sustains you in the midst of it. It's his divine hand on your life. Amen. The second thing that shows up is gemstones. That's what shows up in the bottom of a pan. Gemstones are everywhere. It's amazing. 
Gemstones are the result of pressure. They are the overcoming areas of your life. They're the stuff that cost you. When you go through something, and on the other side of it, you overcame, and you stood on a truth in Christ, that cost you something, but now you possess it. It's your testimony. That testimony of God's goodness, his divine goodness, but it wasn't just God alone because you had to make decisions. You had to overcome, and on the other side of it, you possess something valuable that you can impart to others. Gold and gemstones are in the bottom of that pan, but there are two other things in the bottom of the pan after the storm comes. The first one is ironstone. Everyone say ironstone. There's this little story in the Old Testament. You, you'll miss it if you're not looking for it, okay? It's this. This is First um, Samuel 13. It says this. First Samuel 13, 19. There were no blacksmiths in Israel. They could not be found in the land of Israel. For the Philistines, their enemy, said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords. The Philistines possessed the technology to make swords, to sharpen plows, to create axes, hoes, spears, these kinds of things. And the Philistines kept that technology from the Israelites so that they couldn't make war with them. But something happens, okay? The only two people with a sword in Israel were Jonathan and his dad, Saul. And so Saul calls the army of Israel to go to war against an army that has swords and they have none. Scary, yeah? Something happens when David lops the head off of Goliath and he obtains Goliath's sword, right? There's something happening in the background, so this is what takes place. Eventually, if you know the story, Saul begins to become afraid of the next generation because the anointing of God is resting on the next generation and the older generation is unable to see it because they're filled with fear against the enemy. They're unable to recognize the anointing on the next generation. And so Saul isn't looking at David to be the next king. He's fearful of him and starts to accuse him. And so Saul goes after David and he's trying to kill him. And so David has to run for his life. And David eventually goes to the enemies, to the Philistines. And he goes to live among the Philistines, the enemies of God. Maybe you got chased out of a church when you were younger. Maybe you got sick of religion and you were like, forget this. I don't want anything to do with this. And so you went back into the world. You've been living in the world, but somehow you ended up here. You ended up back in church and God's doing something in your life. There's a bit of a revival taking place. What I want you to do is I want you to look in your tool belt because something happened while David was away. See, David pretended to be insane amongst the Philistines. He pretended to be a madman. And so they were like, wow, there's the champion of Israel. He's totally humiliated, living in filth, and he's insane. Let's just leave him alone. Meanwhile, David steals the technology to make swords. While David was living amongst the Philistines, he learned the technology of how to make and work with iron. And when he came back to Israel, suddenly everybody's got a sword. How do you think that happened? Man, God wastes nothing. What feels like a trial to you is God causing you to take all the iron stone that he did not remove out of your life. See, he could have washed that stuff away. He could have, man, you, you're living with pain. Why are you living with pain? Oh, just get healed. No, you've been prayed for a million times. That's my story. I've been prayed for so many times for my back to be healed, and yet the Lord hasn't removed it from me. But I have learned how to, in faith, believe that the Lord still wants to heal. I've had to go through some things. I've had to overcome some things in order to keep believing. And you know what? How many people I have seen healed by praying for them? I mean, tons of people. Legs grow out. Backs get restored. Healing take place at the end of my own hands as I'm ministering. That's because my iron, the stuff that I have to overcome, the stuff that God left, has turned into a sword to destroy the works of the devil. There are some things in your life that God didn't just remove. You're having to walk through. There's purpose in it if you, will stick, if you walk with him. Let him do the sifting. Let him get the junk out. Let him do all that. 
So that what you're left with, the gold, the divine work, the gemstones, the overcoming, the results, it's your treasure. The iron, you've shaped it into a sword or a plow or an axe, man, and you're taking it to the enemy now. And the last thing that's left, lead. I'm amazed how many of these videos I have watched where people are out in the middle of nowhere sifting for gold in some stream away from population, and they come to the bottom of the pan, they do the reveal, and what's sitting there, gems, gold, iron, and shotgun pellets. Lead. It's poisonous in the rivers. Did you know that? Lead's poisonous. But the, the person who discovers it, you can't leave it, you can't chuck it back in the water. You shouldn't. It's irresponsible. When you discover lead, you need to take it out. You need to pack it out with you and dispose of it because it's poison to the fish. It's poison to this ecosystem. Lead was weapons that have been shaped against you and you got injured by them. See, we're... Something of the enemy came against you and it hurt you and you got wounded by it and the evidence of that wound still exists. And the only way to dispose it, see, if you take that back into the river with you, you're going to poison other people with your bitterness. You're going to take your wound and assume that you should minister out of your wound. You should not. See, lead needs to be taken to the throne of justice, to the king, you need to give that back to the king and let his mercy cover you and him deal with the injustice. Is anybody alive today? God's after you, y'all. You've been in a storm. We've all been in a storm. The good news is it's not quite over. I wish it was. It's not. There's more coming. That's why you should let the Lord deal with you right now. God is very much at work in our nation. He's very much at work in our day. Look to the next generation. Don't try to re-anoint old leaders. Don't do that. Don't do that to us. Don't do that to the body of Christ. Certainly don't do that to our nation. Look at the future because God is raising out men and women who are real anointed leaders for our future. Let the Lord demonstrate his goodness in your life. Recognize it. Take inventory. Look back and recognize how good God's been. Value the things that he's done in your life. Is anyone alive today? Just stand to your feet. <laughs> mm -hmm. First Peter 1 Peter 1.6, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though it gets tested by fire, that it would be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ. And though you have not seen Jesus, you love him. And though you don't see him now, you believe in him. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your soul. The Lord's at work in your life there's some things that are happening right now. I'll just speak to the elephant in the room. Man, a sermon like this should tick you off. Okay? The reason I told you at the beginning, this is what happens. God gets his hand in your stuff and stuff starts to manifest. So if you're angry, you've been squirming, you just need to get out of here, praise Jesus. That stuff getting unlodged in you. Just hang out for a moment and let the river wash it away. Okay? Let the river wash it away. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for a cleansing flow. I declare the mercy of God over every heart in this room. Those who would listen to this online, declare the mercy of God. We do not retain their sins. And Lord, I pray right now you would release your angels to minister among us. The holy fire of God would cleanse and quench, Lord. It would remove and wash away any sin, any of the stuff that's been stuck on us. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Just receive it, the mercy of God. He forgives you. Be released. Just be released. And now, Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would give us eyes to see. I pray that the light of heaven would shine over our hearts right now. Lord, because you've been sifting things to the surface. You've been sifting things to the surface, Lord. Ideas, thoughts that are contrary to God's greater things. 
That stuff gets exposed in his presence. This is what I want you to do, okay? It's the surrender unto Jesus. You might be mad at me, okay? Dang it, pastor, you shouldn't have gone there today. This is our last straw. We're going to another church. God bless you. You should wait to get delivered before you go, though, okay? That thing rising up in you. Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you're unsettling those things, and he's lifting the pan, y'all. It's that, 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 that sieve. He's lifting it up, and all of a sudden things get exposed, and you don't feel good in the moment, but he's trying to uproot it. I want you to see it right now. It's a surrender. Goes like this. Jesus, I surrender to you. I need you. Come on, just even let it come out of your heart this morning. Lord, we need you. Jesus, we surrender to you. We want what you want. Lord, if there is any wrong thing in me, Lord, if there's something out of whack, if, if I've come to cling to lower earthly things, Lord, I want those things out of my life. So Holy Spirit, would you come right now? And would you remove, would you uproot those strongholds out of my thinking, out of my life even now? Thank you, Lord. Father, release your angels right now to help, to bring aid to this. I want you to see yourself holding a pan of rocks. I want you to toss them at the Lord's feet. Come on, just see it in your mind's eye. Lord, I let go. I trust you and I let go. I trust you and I let go of these things. I let them go. You don't have to be afraid. The weighty things will remain. The things from God will remain. You don't got to be afraid of that process. Lord, we let it go. And now, Holy Father, would you stir the waters once again. He wants to bring a revealing of the divine in your life. Lord, Holy Spirit, let your river wash over each one. Fill them, Lord. Stephen, pray that for yourself right now. Holy Father, fill me with your spirit today. Let your spirit wash over me today. Let the spirit of God wash over you today. Come on, experience it, receive it. Lord, we pray that for one another, God, that your river would flow over each person here today, God. Let the river of life flow, washing over, removing the sediment, the stuff that's been in the way, God. Wash it off, wash it away. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, I pray that you would remove the work of the devil out of our lives now. Where there has been torment associated with these things, where thought, where where you've been holding on to things, but but torment attached to it as well. Anger, resentment, bitterness, rage, um, uh, immoralities, these kinds of things, those are hanging around. Those are tormentors that are hanging around those rocks that you just let go. And that stuff's got to go right now. It's the lead pellets. The enemy's got to go now. And so in Jesus' name, I'm asking, Holy Father, that you would cause your angels right now to bind the enemy and remove them out of our midst. Every form of torment that's come against this body, this people, in Jesus' name, the Lord rebuke you. We command that you let people go. Torment go in Jesus' name. Torment go in Jesus' name. Lord, we release mercy. We release mercy. We release mercy in its place. Thank you, Lord. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray that your holy light would shine so that we could recognize the work of God, those gemstones, and the lead, Lord, the overcoming stuff that we get to walk through, Lord. There's an empowerment that comes. And so, Father, I pray right now, baptize your people afresh in your spirit. Anoint them, Lord, with power. Anoint them with power, Lord, that they might accomplish great things. They might overcome, Lord, give grace to them. Help them, Lord, in every regard, in every regard. And Father, we just declare, I'm asking, Lord, that you would be gracious to our nation. You'd be gracious to our nation, Holy Father. Lord, I pray that you would raise up godly men and women for leadership, Lord, in every place in government. I pray, Lord God, for a restructure and a healthy form that truly, Lord God, that that your kingdom can be manifested, Lord, amongst us. Lord, I'm asking in Jesus' name, 
Lord, that you would touch and that you would bring healing and restoration to people groups, Lord, who have suffered injustices. Lord, that you would cause justice to become a part of our system, Lord. Lord God, that you would arise and that the enemies would be scattered in every way. Father, I pray for your people today. Lord, that the divine empowerment of heaven would come upon them, that they could accomplish what you've called them to. Each and every one that God's been speaking to you. He's been speaking to you and calling you forth that you wouldn't be muddled by the mud and the swirl of life, but you would remember it would come back to you who God called you to be. Father, I thank you for this. Thank you for these things. I bless your people today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's favor be on your life, his countenance towards you. May he be gracious to you you would advance his kingdom of peace, that your hearts and minds would be kept, never again to be caught up in this mess. In Jesus' name, we decree these things. Everybody who dared to agree with that said, amen. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord this morning?